Okay. A Friday episode here on Locked On Warriors, your podcast on all things Warriors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. I'm going to play for you a conversation I had with Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer about the NBA draft. I'm going to break this up into two parts. The first today, the second will come out on Monday. Then we'll finish today's episode with some results to polls that I put out on Twitter. But before we get to all of that, uh, I want to ask anyone who has a story about meeting a Warriors player, current or former, a Warriors coach, whatever, whatever story you want to share. I'd love to get a few of those put together and read them on air. If you have a story you want read on the podcast, write it up, send it to me uh, by email, wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Uh, I'm hoping to get a bunch of them that I can read on episodes next week. Uh, so you have the weekend to do it. That's your homework, I guess. Uh, so um, quick little uh, aside for the announcements, that wraps up the announcements portion of the podcast. Let's get to my conversation now with Jonathan Charks. Jonathan Charks from The Ringer joins me now to talk about the NBA draft. And if you're not reading his work, uh, you should be. He's one of the more progressive basketball writers out there. I, I just enjoy how he thinks about the game. And he also watches the draft and prospects and stuff like that very closely. So with that, Charks, who is number one on your draft board, your personal draft? By the way, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. What do you mean by progressive? Like, I vote for Obama or something? Like, what does that mean? No, I just feel like every time I read what you're writing, you're you're very, like, dating back even before The Ringer, you were very, uh, uh, just, like, small ball, the revolution with that comes with that. Like, you you're, you think about wings in the game, oh, okay. I think, I in a way that, yeah, I just feel like it is the way the game is going, and I feel like you've always been sort of ahead of the trends that way. Oh, well, I appreciate that, then. Okay, good. Well, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So again, who, who's number one on your board with being as progressive as you are? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going by progressive, it's got to be Killian Hayes because he always goes left, right? That's what I'm. <laughs> no, so it's a tough one. This is a tough year, obviously. I mean, everyone knows that. I've been going back and forth a lot, but I think for now, I'm going to have Anthony Edwards number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. I've got Anthony numbers. Anthony Edwards number one on my board too. Is it just is it just that athleticism? Is it the late bloomer thing? I mean, what is it that sticks out to you about Edwards? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, I think for one, he's got the highest floor just in terms of his body and size. Mm-hmm. And it's a guy like he has a lot of bad games, but even in his bad games, you watch him play and he'll make like three, two or three really ridiculous plays. And then it's like, man, sometimes with number one, you're like, I just don't want to miss the obvious one. And you watch the way he moves at his size. And then he, and when he starts shooting threes, it's like, this guy is unguardable. He's making his threes. And like, I don't, I don't think necessarily he'll ever be a point guard or a primary guy. But I'm not sure the primary guys are that great in this year's draft. So in that case, better to take the top secondary guy than a weak primary, right? right. It's kind of like the logic of, you know, 2017, when Fultz went number one, because mm-hmm. oh, he's the best passer scorer in the draft. But doesn't mean he's the best player looking back on it. Though obviously Fultz has got some weird stuff going on. I think, too, with Edwards, I do think possibly you mentioned his age. He's crazy young. So, like, the biggest knock on him is his basketball IQ. He takes a lot of bad shots. 
He's real lazy on defense. He's not hustling all the time. He forces the action a ton. And I think a lot of that might could be traced to him being the best play, player on a pretty bad team who was always playing from behind, who kind of was forced to do more than he was asked to do. And I don't. I think at the numbers, like Georgia didn't have much shooting, didn't have many other secondary score, just like one or two other secondary guys who could score. Right. I think the hope is if you have Edwards, you have his incredible, just his pure talent, you put him in a different role, especially plus like Golden State where he could be in a smaller role. He might end up growing into being a really good player in time. But it's a risk. There's a lot of Andrew Wiggins in his game, which is kind of funny being that he's already in Golden State too. Yeah, I, I, look, I think that's a really good comparison and what the Warriors are trying to get out of Andrew Wiggins. I mean, you were talking about the context within Georgia. I mean, Wiggins, the context in Minnesota was, hey, can you just be the star? Can you just be the guy? And then they get called Anthony Towns and that becomes more of a secondary player. They trade him to Golden State. And now the Golden State is asking him not to be the, the star, not to be the secondary player, not even really to be the tertiary player. Just like, Shoot threes, defend really good. That's what we need you to do. And I could see them maybe doing a similar thing with Anthony Edwards, which is why I think if the Warriors end up with the top pick, they should just you know hold their nose and take them, despite some of the concerns. I think of it. Tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. I've said this on the show before, and I I feel smart about it, but I don't know if I am smart about it. He reminds me a little bit of Jalen Brown coming out of Cal, where Jalen Brown was asked to basically be the offensive Cal. He couldn't do that. He gets to Boston. They play him in a, a more supporting, complementary type role, and he's able to lean into the things that he does well. Uh, the athleticism is there. The defensive versatility is there. The size and all that stuff is there. He's able to defend well, and he sort of grows into an offensive role over the years. I think there's a lot to that. I've actually had the same thought myself. Hmm. And I think you could, the way you can kind of look at it is with Brown and Edwards, what separates them from most uber-athletic wings is they could make open threes. So with Edwards, he, he shoots free throws pretty well. He takes like seven or eight threes a game. You're reasonably confident in his stroke. And so like a guy, for example, Josh Jackson is the other way. He's a really athletic wing who couldn't handle a smaller role because he couldn't shoot. Hmm. Whereas with Edwards, if you draft him, you know, okay, if he's only playing 20 minutes a game, he's playing off the ball, the defense still has to guard him. That's what, that's what Brown was in Boston in year one. And I think that's probably the best progression for Edwards. And like we were saying, too, with Edwards and Brown, even now Brown is year four. He's a, basically an all-star, but he's not a primary option. He's not a guy who you run offense through, who you run 30 pick-and-rolls for, and he makes the right pass every time. Like he uses athletic, athletic ability to slash, cut to the basket, get out and run, attack the glass, spot up threes, attack closeouts. And he can do that and score 18 points a game on having plays run for him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Edwards could be too with, you know, as he progresses, like Edwards is a guy, maybe not two years from now, but five years, seven years down the line with his frame, his jump shot, the potential is unlimited if his, if his mind catches up with the rest of his game. My conversation with Jonathan Charks continues after this. Sounds like you're a little underwhelmed with the primary ball handlers here. In what is kind of a ball handler heavy draft, you talk about Lamella Ball, Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Cole Anthony. I mean, there's a lot of guys sort of in this lottery range. Um, who sticks out? Who's your favorite in that group? Oh, man. So I would split off Halliburton. I would consider him more of a secondary guy. I okay. think he'd be great in Golden State because he can play off the ball, you're make the extra yeah. pass. And then, you know, guard. 
But I don't think Halliburton's a guy who has to be the primary guy who runs the offense through him. So with Hayes and Lamelo, I just go back and forth them all the time. Like I, I'll probably have them two, three in some order because there is definite upside there for both of them. I think the the big concern basically with Hayes and Lamelo. They're not great athletes. I would say they're average athletes at best. And you can find a ton of clips of both those guys not getting by defenders, mm-hmm. can't finish over guys, can't really stay in front guard guys on defense. They're just average athletes. And then on top of that, the shot is not there for LaMelo for sure. So with LaMelo, average athlete, poor shooter, Well, if you're the primary guy, I'll just play off you, right? Like how are you going to get by me if I'm playing a foot off you and you can't beat me off the shot? Right. And that's just my concern with Lamelo. And I think with Hayes, Hayes has got a better shot, but he only goes one way, mm-hmm. and his shot is not like ideal. I mean, he he doesn't make it terribly often. He has good free throw numbers, but I wouldn't say he's an elite shooter. And he's going to have to be an elite shooter to make up for the fact that he's only an average athlete. So that's that's my concern with both those guys in a nutshell. And I I, I agree with everything you're saying, and I know the Lamelo ball thing. It's easy to like, he is a genius level passer. I mean, you can't deny that. And I guess if you want a, some sort of identity, I mean, it, it's a lazy comparison, but it is very similar to the Lonzo ball. You know, reasoning why you would take Lonzo is there's all these shortcomings, but if you want an identity to your offense, here you go. And I see that with Lamelo. I guess my concern is, you know, the the primary point guard job is probably has probably the steepest learning curve in the NBA. So if you if you have that in mind, like okay, he's gonna walk into the NBA. He's gonna take it's gonna take him a couple of years to really learn the point guard position as far as running an offense, like a playoff type offense. And he can't do the other things that would necessarily get him on the court, or at least make him um, a, a meaningful contributor. Like he's not gonna hit shots off the catch necessarily. He's not a crazy athlete, which is gonna limit his upside defensively. Like so, in the context of Golden State, there are people who like that I talked to that say they would love LaMelo in Golden State. Like, that's your backup point guard of the future. There you go. Steph can groom him, et cetera. But I don't just – I just don't see him getting on the floor for the Warriors in, a, in you know, that first year very much. And if he is on the floor, it would very much be forcing him on the floor to a detriment, I guess, to the rest of the team. I guess the idea would be if you draft LaMelo, then he could have the ball and then Steph and Clay would play off the ball more, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like how Iguodala and Livingston did it. All right. I guess it would be the idea. Yeah, LaMelo's weird. Lonzo is a really different player because you look at Lonzo, he can guard, Mm -hmm. and he could always shoot better than LaMelo, though he changed his shot too. right? Lonzo shot 42% from three in college. It was real goofball looking, but it went in. When he got to the NBA, he couldn't shoot at all. He changed his shot. So Lonzo became a 3 and D point guard, basically. That's never going to be LaMelo's game. LaMelo's a primary guy. To me, if you draft him, you give him the keys to your offense, and you know he's going to get like 14, 8, and 8 and brick up a ton of shots. And he'll sell tickets. He'll get guys the ball. But I would say with him, I'm more worried about ceiling than floor. I think his floor of an NBA point guard at 6'7 is pretty high. He can board it. He can, you can hide him off the book because he's just so big. But my concern is if Lamelo's your primary guy in a playoff series, you better be able to shoot. And so you're basically gambling on him shooting, which is a huge gamble. I mean, to watch the guy shoot, really, just watch him shoot. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Not sometimes I was just making some clips. Like, there's a bunch of clips. I found a bunch of clips where if he's dribbling and driving the ball like and pick and roll, and he wants to pull up, but he's already kind of going full speed ahead, he really doesn't want to pull up jumper in his game. So he'll like stop halfway 
and shoot like an awkward push pull shot. It's freaking bizarre. I'll show you the clips later. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, concerning too. I mean, if you think about, again, just through the lens of the Warriors, what they're going to be looking for, just things that, you know, can you function within the flow of the offense? They, that's what they're looking like. D'Angelo Russell didn't work for a reason. It's why I don't think Killian Hayes is even near their board. Uh, because Killian Hayes, D'Angelo Russell, like you've got the same problems, except D'Angelo Russell's a much better player. Um, I I just don't see them going in that route where, yeah, maybe we can make them the primary ball handler and run Steph and Clay off the ball and do all that stuff. This is a team that wants to contend right away. They don't want to be having a rookie point guard, no matter what his floor ceiling might be, running offense for significant minutes. And yeah, maybe you can dial back those minutes. But then you're doing that at the cost of their development. So what's even the point of drafting them in the top five? Um, one other player I want to talk about who's pretty polarizing, James Wiseman. I just want to, I want to knock this this out um, because I don't see the Warriors taking a center with this top five pick. It's just not the way that they have approached the position in the past. They usually got, kind of approach it with a bullpen of centers. They roll them out there. They got the playmaking one. They got the pick and roll one. They've got the defensive one. That's kind of what they do, situational center position. That said... They haven't had a top five pick. They haven't been in position to get a guy with tantalizing talent like James Wiseman yet. They they did take a flyer on a DeMarcus Cousins in the past. Um, what are your thoughts on James Wiseman specific to his fit in Golden State? He's interesting. I mean, it's obviously hard to tell too much based off the three games. I've not been able to watch his um, EYBL stuff. Mm. So that's a little speculation. But from what I saw, like the guy he actually reminds me of is Steven Adams. That's my comp for him. Huh. I think he's like a big old monster of a guy, very athletic. He can protect the rim. He's going to catch anything around the basket, dunk it. But I'm just not sure he's like, you know, Steven Adams is not a primary option, right? He doesn't shoot threes. He doesn't switch screens. He doesn't like create his own shot. And that's my guess as to what Wiseman is. I don't really see him as like a DeAndre Ayton type. Hmm. To me, he's more of a role-playing big who's freaking huge. I don't know, like, if you pulled, if you plugged in Steve Adams and Golden State, would that work with Draymond? I don't even know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would. Just because, and again, my 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 logic here is you want Draymond playing center, so why pay Stephen Adams what Stephen Adams is making? Why pay James Wiseman what you'd have to pay him? You know, around ten million a year as a top five pick if he's going to be off the floor in in best case scenarios. Uh, when I guess the other the up. The other question is for Golden State, right? How much are you trying to get insurance for Draymond and Steph right now? Right. For down the road, right? Versus how much do you want to maximize them? Or are you like, Draymond playing the five has a limit on it? I don't know. I, I think they definitely need to address that situation. I mean, I think Kevin Durant, you could have argued, was the best center in the league over the last few years because he was protecting the rim just as much as Draymond was half the time. And Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, and I think Durant's presence kind of gave Draymond, like kind of helped Draymond prolong that, his career a little bit, his peak, I guess. Uh, and we'll see what he looks like next year, but they need to add length. I, I think that there's no doubt about that. And they probably need to do it at the four spot, um, similar to where they, I, I don't trust an Eric Pascal Draymond Green front court right now, defensively. It's, yeah. it's, it's too small. We'll be right back with more Locked On Warriors. Okay, that wraps up part one of my conversation with Jonathan Charks. Again, part two will come out on Monday. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things. Uh, You can always send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Make sure 
to get those stories about meeting former Warriors players, coaches, current Warriors players, whoever is associated with the Warriors organization. If you have a story that you want shared on the podcast, please send that to me. Uh, probably best by email, wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Do that over the weekend. Uh, let's get to the polls here. Uh, the first one, if you were in the NBA bubble, would you complain about the food in the bubble? 22% of you said, I would complain. 78% of you said, I would not complain. Good. I'm glad that 78% of you would say that w- wouldn't complain, but also happy for the 22% of you who were honest and would complain. Have you seen the pictures of this stuff? Um, really carb-heavy. Really carb-heavy. Never a good sign. Uh, next poll, do you order items with potatoes from Taco Bell? 21% of you said yes. 79% of you said no. Um, I asked this because there's rumors now that Taco Bell could be eliminating items from their menu that include potatoes. I am not a potato person from Taco Bell. I think that, I, to, you know, keep going on this carb kick, there's enough carbs in a Taco Bell item to begin with, with the tortilla and all the stuff. And I don't need the extra stuff with the potatoes. Uh, though, you know, I remember the cheesy potato burrito or something like that, the quesarito. There's a bunch of stuff that they have that includes potatoes. And it's probably the best quality stuff. Like, you can't really get a bad potato, I don't think. I think potatoes are basically just all potatoes. We know that their meat is below dog food grade. So I guess if you're just trying to get, like, the, the best quality food, it's probably the stuff with the potatoes, which is might be why they're getting rid of it. Maybe it's more expensive than their beef, which is terrifying, if you think about it. Uh, final poll. When you think of Orlando, what do you think of? 75% of you said Disney World. 22.5% of you said the Orlando Magic. 2.5% of you said UCF. Uh, Really disappointed by the listeners here. Only 2.5% say UCF? Really? Go Knights. I expect that to be more going forward. When you think of Orlando, you should think about UCF. Uh, I understand why all of you think Disney World, 75%. Disney World. Uh, Disney World's not even in Orlando. It's in Kissimmee. And I want these newspapers and these writers who are there in the bubble to get that right. Stop saying Orlando. It's not in Orlando. It's not in Orlando. That's like saying that Oracle Arena was in Hayward. No, it's the wrong town. It's the wrong city. It's in Kissimmee. So, whatever. Uh, Thanks to everybody who listened to the show. Thank you for responding to the polls. Thanks to Jonathan Charks for jumping on the show. Part two comes out Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.